All right, everybody, this week's episode of The Beat is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Michigan football and Michigan State football and Michigan basketball and Michigan State basketball ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I have the Game Time app on my phone. Of course, I don't buy tickets to games. We cover them. Uh, but, you know, I've used it. It's a sleek app. Uh, kind of the coolest feature, I think, is the ability to go pick a ticket and a seat, and, and the uh, Game Time app will show you exactly where you're sitting in the stadium. So if you're trying to get a last-minute ticket to this Michigan-Notre Dame game on Saturday or Michigan State-Penn State, you can pick your ticket. It'll show you a uh, exact seat where you're sitting. Um, you can navigate through it pretty easily. You can buy uh, buy your ticket in two taps uh, on your phone. Uh, it really is a simple situation, simple process. You can get uh, tickets to any sporting event. Uh, NBA starting up again here. NHL's going in season again. NFL, of course. So this is the hot time for everything going on. So it's a it's a it's a go to app for a lot of different things. Uh, also, concert tickets, uh, theater tickets, things of that nature. So. Be sure to head to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. of The Beat on location again, but in Ann Arbor, Nick Rumbrin here along with Brendan Quinn. Special guest this week, Ryan Van Bergen, former Michigan football player. Ryan, was you were not a captain in 2011, but you might as well have been. You talked to us all the time. I remember that. That was, uh, <laughs> that was uh, you were like a spokesman of sorts. Yeah, PR guy. Yeah, PR guy. <laughs> we, like talking, we like talking to the spokesman on this show, of course. We had another... When we talked with Jack Miller, Jack Jack was in a similar role, Brennan, as, as Very Ryan much was. so. The guy who just got pushed out anytime anything yeah. went wrong. Always like, had something to say. Don't deal with that. Could always <laughs> handle himself well in those situations. Uh, and we're here today. We're, we're going to talk a little bit um, as we get forward here because it's Michigan-Notre Dame week about the 2011 Michigan-Notre Dame game. Ryan, I think you played in three or four Notre Dame-Michigan games overall, right? Was it yeah, four? Yeah, I'd say four. I believe we played it at Notre Dame and at home twice. Yeah. So I'd say four. 11 is always the one, though, that everybody remembers because yeah. it was just completely ridiculous and yeah. insane and everything else. <laughs> so we are going to get into that, but we do want to talk a little bit about your career path at Michigan because it was your senior class, the fifth-year seniors in 2011, the group that you started with, really had an interesting, unique you, – you, you played for three coaches. Yeah. Which I've, is like, I don't know if you could take a poll of like a 1,000 college football players – I'm not sure there's many that would say I played for three coaches. You certainly don't sign up for that in the uh, no. recruiting process, no. yeah. And as far as I know, with regards to Michigan, I think we're the only like seven to nine, however many of yeah. us there were, that ever had three head coaches. And like you said, right. just in college football in general, it's very rare to have that much turnover, right. especially in a place like Michigan. And when you sign up, like um, you know, Lloyd Carr's staff recruits you, and I don't know when you committed to 06 or yep. yeah. So when you sign up, you sign up at a time when they're. They were undefeated that year for a long time. They one were, versus two. What was one versus two Ohio State season? So you sign up and you're thinking this is the most stable situation ever. Like absolutely, I, there's yeah. nothing right. Lloyd so, I mean, Carr's been there for almost yeah. ten years. He's competing for championships still. 
you're not going anywhere. He told you that in the recruiting yeah. visit. You're and, not, I'm not going anywhere. And there's no reason to like even remotely think anything could change. No. Right. And then, of course, it does. Right? <laughs> it does. Yeah. So you redshirted 2007, and I don't want to make you relive hard memories, but your first game at Michigan Stadium was the Appalachian State game. First game I had yeah. pads on the sideline. Yeah. Didn't play, but yeah. Yeah. That was the first game I watched as a player. And so I got to know, like, I mean, as a young guy, an 18-year-old kid right out of high school, your head had to have been just, what, what's going through your mind that season when everything is all over the place? I mean, it's just wild. Well, you're definitely in a new environment and you really don't know what to expect. Yeah. You just knew that Michigan was competing last year for Big Ten and potentially national championship right. at the end of the year. So with App State coming in and with the way the seniors were kind of approaching the game, you're like, this is an easy win. We're, right. we're going to have, you know, very little trouble coming right. away with a win with this game. And we get to look forward to Oregon, who at the time had, yeah. you know, Jonathan uh, Stewart and Dennis Dixon, mm -hmm. and we knew they were fully loaded. So yeah. we were definitely, I think, looking ahead to that game. But again, you don't really even have a pulse of it. You're so right. new that you're just trying not to be exposed as a guy that doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we still do on yeah. 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 every day. <laughs> but, but as that year goes on, like, it doesn't go the way you want in either of those games. And then as that year, I think Lloyd was announced he was going to retire, like, in the middle of the season? Was it there was the rumors, at least. Yeah. I don't know if it had been official yeah. in any capacity, but there was definitely rumors that this was his last season following an 0-2 start and we were ranked, I think, three yeah. season or something like that. As an 18-year-old, wow. 19-year-old kid, what's going through your mind when all that starts to, to chirp up? Well, you just don't know how much attention to pay to it because yeah. there's always – I feel like there's been very few Michigan seasons in the past 15 years where there isn't at least some murmur somewhere right. about a coaching change potentially happening. Yeah. So it's almost how much credit and merit do you give to it and then by the end of the year, when we went into the Capital One Bowl, we knew that that was Lloyd Carr's last yeah. game. And it was it was kind of let's deal with the situation when it comes. Because at that time, Jim Harbaugh was being mentioned as a potential yep. replacement. He Les was. Miles was yeah. a big favorite until they say Kirk Herbstreit ruined it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you never knew who the coach <laughs> yeah. was going to be. So right. it wasn't like you wanted to get unsettled until a decision was made. Yeah. And then, of course, you heard that Rich Rod got hired. And you know, there was a process yeah. that went along with Rich Rod being hired. But I also want to stick with the – the fact that for a lot of kids, we talk to kids all the time that turn into adults, and you look back on those days, and it's like you have to grow up really fast. And that for you, I imagine, was you go to college football, you're still, you're first year of college, you're basically a high school kid that's now in college. That's what you are maturity-wise at most part in your mind, but I mean, you grow up really quickly in that environment, I imagine. What was that process like for you in terms of, I got to get my bearings here because this is not what I thought this was going to be, and now it's like, I don't know what's going on. I was living in a bubble, to be honest with you. My job was to be Jake Long's demonstration player. So I, I don't know if we're allowed to say it, but I got my ass handed to yeah, you. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, right. Every day. Yeah. And I didn't even see, besides what was happening across uh -huh. from me with Adam Krause, Jake Long, Mike Massey, and my job was to play hard every snap and not get yelled at, but don't injure them. Yeah. Don't let them, if yeah. Jake breaks his finger on you, it's your fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, uh, I really wasn't paying attention to too much. It was hard for me because I came from a smaller high school too, where I'll be honest, my coach told me, go tackle the football. I was mm -hmm. like Bobby Boucher. I didn't oh, yeah. have A gap, B yeah. cap, C gap, drive right. technique, alignment. I didn't have to pay attention to any of that mm -hmm. stuff. It was a ball snap, go get the football. So for me, it was a big learning curve. And I was just kind of in my own bubble, like learning what's the techniques that I'm supposed to have. Right. And then going out to the field and trying both to show out and do well, but also not yeah. do anything that's going to hurt Jake or sure. like I could hurt Jake anyway. But um, it was definitely a process of kind of self-reflection, self-improvement, learning how to manage your time and uh, – trying to figure out 
how to get on top of the playbook and stuff like that when you're not getting reps. Because you're a freshman, you're expected to understand what your responsibilities are on this pressure and this play or yeah. whatever, but you have to do it from the sideline. And for me, that was a huge drastic change. I've never been on the sideline since ever starting the game. Yeah. So um, definitely a different perspective, humbling, and you kind of have to uh, go into self-preservation and self-reflection right. in order to come out the other side and, and be positive and become a man right. in that yeah, scenario. Right, right. The, I mean, what, there's really no preparation, though, for everything that comes at you from the periphery. So, like, for – because, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what the guys are going through now over there. I guess probably in the subscriber portion of the show we'll kind of get your thoughts on, on some of that stuff. But I am kind of curious when these – talking about 18 to 22-year-old guys and when, like, everything kind of lights on fire around you, you know, how do you – I don't know, navigate the world when it feels like everyone's probably watching, judging, all that stuff. Uh, you definitely feel, it's kind of funny, you feel like a one-man island in the union where there's a bunch of people socializing, mm -hmm. talking oh, about wow, exams yeah. and stuff like that, and you kind of put your eyes just in front of you, you don't really look up, because when you're starting the season rank three, everybody yeah. wants to talk to you. you got the Michigan jumpsuit on, hey, let's talk, yeah. who are you, what do you play? Then you lose the App State game, you lose the Oregon game. And people are intentionally diverting their eyes from you. You can feel huh. kind of like a social outcast wow. wearing like the scarlet letter A. I'm not sure know? I've ever heard anybody describe well, it like that. It's, uh, it's definitely that way because yeah. everybody knows. It's not like you can hide. You're 6'5", 260, right. yeah, exactly. and you wear the Michigan jumpsuit. <laughs> right. People are going to assume. Yeah. So it's not like anyone has to know who you are. They just yeah. know that you play for the team, and they know the team's not doing well. And it's funny. Football fans and the shape sizes that they come in, you yeah. don't have to be an expert. It could be someone right. who's brand new to the sport of football but knows you're 0-2 and, and they're upset. Right. Yeah. And, That's a great and point. this is the first year they've ever yeah. followed Michigan football and they're like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> it's unacceptable. You know? unacceptable. Um, it's maybe my favorite word. That they, so, that they use, right? But it's tough. I mean, going yeah. to class, walking through campus, you can feel there's a tension that, mm -hmm. that you're constantly surrounded by. And it could be defeating, sure, but most yeah. of the time you turn it into motivation. A good athlete's going to turn that into, well, just wait and see. Yeah. You know, we're going to go back to work and we're going to get things right. And you'll be back to wanting my attention as opposed to shunning me. <laughs> yeah, right. So you mentioned earlier, though, uh, once the season ends, all the coaches that were mentioned, they hired Rich Rodriguez, of course. And you said that's a process. And I think everybody remembers on some level. I wasn't here yet. I didn't cover any of the Rich Rod teams. But everybody has, has their own memory of how that sort of went. And when you say a process, you mean, what do you mean when you say a process? What, in your eyes, what was that like? Well, for me, when I got recruited, I had no idea really if I wanted to play defense or offense. Sure. I had been recruited mm -hmm. at defensive end and tight end both. Well, some teams even said, hey, we're going to make you into an offensive lineman, which yep. I was right away. I'm not going there, <laughs> uh, at least in my opinion. Yeah. But um, then you get into a situation where you committed. I know I'm a five technique, strong side yep. defensive end, and a 4-3 defense, which is what I like. Yeah. I'm ready to go. This is where I need to be. Well, then the coaches department, you're like, well, Rich Rod ran a 3-3-5. I have no interest in being yeah. a defensive tackle for right. a 3-3-5 defense. And I remember calling my dad. I was teared up, mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't know what to do because if Rich Rod comes here and runs a 3-3-5, I don't want to play here. Yeah. And my dad, being an Air Force vet and pretty disciplined guy, was yeah. like, well, did you sign to play for Michigan or did you sign to play for Lloyd Carr? Well, I want to go. play for Michigan. He's like, you still play for Michigan? I was like, yeah. So what's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of the end of that yeah. conversation. Um, but, you know, Rich Rod comes in. He runs through, I think, 3D coordinators yeah. over three years. Yeah. Wow. All of them run different schemes. So I got exposure to 3-4, 4-3, 3-3-5, 4-2-5, mm. and learning all the different ins and outs. And 
Um, you'd have told me as an 18-year-old as I felt overwhelmed by just learning five technique and A-gap and stuff like yeah. that, that I was going to have a grasp of three defenses. I had a pretty good understanding of what coverage was doing behind yeah. me. I knew where all the pieces were at. And it's kind of one of those things you don't necessarily – then it's not required. Yeah. But if you really want to excel and make the most out of your four years of right. eligibility, you better go in and learn the defense. Right. Um, but it was a process, and I think everybody went through that. We had you know kind of a mass exodus. When Rich Rod got yeah. hired, Ryan Mallett left, Mario Manningham, Adrian Arrington. I'm not going for my senior year. I'm going uh -huh. to the NFL. Justin Boring goes to Ohio State. I mean, yeah. we had some huge guys that were big recruits and guys that were leaders leave. And you could definitely feel the vacancy when it came to that next season, the three and nine year. There was a vacancy when it came to leadership amongst mm -hmm. the team. And everybody then kind of handles that process. And now mm -hmm. they've got the transfer portal. We didn't even have oh that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. So I don't yeah. understand that. I think it would have yeah. been helpful back in the it day. It would have been probably, but, yes. uh Definitely added to the process that, hey, you choose to transfer, you're sitting out a year guaranteed. Yeah. There's no transfer portal or yeah. claim for eligibility. So it was tough. Everybody, I think, handled it differently. But uh, like my buddy Vince Helmuth, who was a fullback, yeah. right away is like, I need a transfer sheet. Sure, of course. I'm well, gone. There's no fullback in a You can't play fullback. Here. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I had it good compared to some. Yeah. Uh, tight ends were, you know, we had recruiting for two tight end right. offense. And we had tight ends that were like, now what do I do? I play defense? Right. Yeah. So it's a process for everybody, depending on position. It just seemed like that whole three-year period got, like, harder and harder the harder you guys tried. Like, the harder you worked, the more you try to focus on. From the outside, I wasn't around. I don't know. But, I mean, when, you're, when, when I'm looking at it and I'm saying the harder they're trying to, like you said, three different coordinators. Now this changes. Now that changes. So everything seemed to just mount in terms of, it's certainly not due to lack of effort, but it just seemed like things got more and more difficult. As time went on, what was the maybe the hardest point there? If you can think back and say, you know, I'm really trying here, but man alive, this is like, I don't, you know, I just don't know what's going to happen here. This is tough. Well, the hard thing is hearing like media and mm -hmm. stuff criticize this of the coaching, like, you know, Rich Rod, where we don't have enough size recruited. Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't go downhill enough. We're too outside with our offensive yeah. schemes and stuff like that, which is stuff you can't control. But it starts to put this seed of doubt that maybe the coaches don't have the 100% Hmm. best game plan for what this team should be doing yeah. and then you start thinking well you know how much am I going to speak up if I don't think it's smart for me to be an edge rusher because I'm not the speediest guy mm -hmm. do I want to say that in the film room or do I keep that to myself because I want to keep my job yeah and you kind of all over the place have these little bit different um opportunities to maybe hey I think this may work but you don't want to speak up and be a person that gets put down mm -hmm. the depth chart I think Rich Rod really struggled when the heat turned up and people were looking at what we're doing and kind of peeling apart the layers. He put his hand in too many pots when it came to the assistance that he had. Mm -hmm. um, he would come in the defensive meeting room and we were going over a pressure. Someone blew an assignment yeah. and he'd say, all right, no more of that pressure. I don't want to see it on the field. Yeah. Well, that's we have one of our six pressures that we have. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we only have, this right. is our first year defense. Like yeah. we've got to have some bullets in the gun. Yeah. And um, I think that this is just a, aspect of how he reacted to the the intensity and the pressure yeah. that was coming on him but um it definitely and all, not only that but when he come in and be like oh i don't want to see that outside arm technique mm -hmm. well it'd be like oh my coach just showed me that we went over practice 15 minutes we did three periods mm -hmm. on that and now i don't trust bruce tall my d-line coach because yeah. rich rod doesn't want to see it yeah so who am i listening to when right. i go out there on the field and it slows you down um you know, it's it's a bad situation that kind of snowballs yeah. if you start seeing some micromanagement in the coaches yeah. and uh, anything that you see visibly that's coaches conflicting with each other that should be done in rooms outside yeah. of in front of your team because so you can see that they're shaken by this. Oh yeah, basically right. Oh yeah. Well, one coach, Scott Schaefer, at one point stood up in a meeting said, "You want this defense out? You should fire my ass." Right. He got yeah. fired. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got fired. So yeah. it, it was. Uh, 
it was it was it was ruining the chemistry and the yeah. vibe of everything. When the coaches are con- in conflict yeah. with each other, right. then players don't know which coach to trust, and then players are battling it out that we should be doing this, not this. It, it just kind of crumbles mm-hmm. uh, from the top down, and we saw that happen when Rich Rod came in, and it was kind of a nice exposure because we had the opportunity when Brady Hope came in to make mm-hmm. sure we got none of that. Yeah. Like we're not going to have any of that. We saw what what tore the team apart, yeah. and let's not repeat the same mistakes. In terms of, like, I know that it's been talked about too, like, and we'll get into the rest of it later, but you mentioned earlier about the, you being in the union with your face down, you know, head down, and you're trying, and you feel lo- alone almost in that way. What is it, what was it like when it finally, I'm jumping ahead here, but what was it like when it finally did change and you guys had a good season and fans now all of a sudden are like, hey man, what's going on? How are you doing? Like, that's got to be tough to square a little bit, you know, when it's like, Two years ago, you guys didn't want anything to do with me, and now and my and my and my friends here that were all graduating, whatever. And now all of a sudden, we're your, you know, you love us, yeah. And, and you know, it's like it's it's one of those things. But I mean, it's got to be tough to square some of that because I got to think you're getting it from more than just the random fan on the street. It's it's more intense like that than people realize. I think in terms of uh, you feel unsupported sometimes. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Always. I mean, when you're doing well, everybody's got their hand out. Like, yeah. hey, you want to come in? You want to meet the owner, you want to, you know, they can only do so much with NCAA violations Mm -hmm. and stuff, but everybody's looking to help you out as much as they possibly can. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, those same hands are withdrawn, those doors are closed, and you take a note of who turned and who didn't. And it's not definitely not to the same degree, but it's almost like a, a rescue animal you know what i mean uh-huh. like we know not to trust you entirely yeah. because you've turned on us before <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. and uh that's like so that's just kind of how it is i mean i remember dave molk went up to the uh what is that when we receive our m rings that banquet, yeah the, that the banquet. M, uh, the, uh, yeah the and bust. in front of everybody basically called him out he's like you boot us you boot yeah. us you boot us i don't ever want to see it again i don't support anybody or want anybody's support yeah that is that type of fan mm. and you know you can handle it that way. That's one way to yeah. handle it. But people make mistakes. And sure. I think some people get emotionally attached to their team, and that's going to happen. That's kind of how the sport, just yeah. just like you want to ride the highs, you got to be willing to go through the lows. But pay attention to how you treat people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can be upset about how the team's performing right. and say you're upset about the team. But in a situation, not to bring it to current, but when Ronnie Bell is getting tweets right. that yeah. sure. should have caught that ball, those people are all garbage in my opinion. Yeah, right. We don't need any of that. Go find another team. Yeah. Meyer's got plenty of teams you can support. Just don't pick up another <laughs> That's so good. But <laughs> that's the things that those are not helpful. No. Yeah. And yeah. there's not anything positive that's going to come from yeah. coming after somebody. And I don't know how it makes them feel good in the moment. Yeah. I bet you alcohol is involved. Yeah, usually. So, yeah. But those yeah, but are then you even see it from like people that you wouldn't expect it from, too. Oh, yeah. You know, people that you're like, you know better. Braylon. You know? Yeah. Braylon. Yeah. He's. Famous Former right players. Now. Yeah, I see that. I see that on Twitter. After I'm just going to save this for later, but whatever. It's a good time to talk about it because it's like after they lost Wisconsin this year, right? Like when they it was you know a bad day. It was a rough game. They got housed pretty good. And you see guys go on Twitter and they and they say, "Boy, I I don't I, I question the effort or something." And I see that from former players, and I'm like, "You guys have been in the building." I've, ne- I've been writing about college football for 10 whatever years more than that. I don't think I've ever questioned anybody's effort because we see that, you know, when Ryan's in college, you're in the building for like 15 hours a day. I mean, you're there all the time. And in football is a sport where if you're not getting effort, you're going to get hurt. And it's like that doesn't compute with me how anyone can ever question a college player's effort. Yeah. Where it's like if they weren't prepared to play that day, that's one thing. But when I see people say, 
so and so they're not in it. Their right. heart's not like in they're it. Half, they're, yeah. half, they're half. They're not. They're half or something. Right. That does not square with me at all. So I would ask you. <laughs> there's not. It's not possible. I imagine for someone to go into a football game like that, having spent all that time. To give no effort. That's just like, to me that doesn't well, doesn't make any sense. A zero percent effort, yeah, is impossible. Well, sure. Yeah, There's like, definitely the chance that you see someone out there that's at ninety five, yeah. or you know, something right. like that. But in my opinion, that's never directly on the player. That's on right. the coaches and right. discipline. Yeah. So, for example, I think Jake Long made a great point when he was tweeting or something social media. I'm not yeah. the best at that, but he was. Uh, he had a clip. They're walking on the field. Michigan walking yeah. to the field. Right. That right there is a discipline thing that it shows up the same reason that you have a pre-snap penalty or right. you have a guy that's mm. too far downfield on a run pass mm. option or we let KJ hit or whatever yeah, his name Amber, is yeah. run deep because we didn't put a safety, we didn't get the call in. Yeah, Those are discipline things yeah. that I, I'm upset about as a former player. I'm sure other players yeah. are because there's a there's a order of how things happen. Like you shouldn't even be able to put on the helmet until you know how to take care of the locker room. Yeah. Mm. You shouldn't even be able to go onto the field until you've done certain things discipline-wise to make mm -hmm. sure you're doing it. You know, those kind of things are all handled by the coaches mm -hmm. and monitored by the coaches and policed by seniors and leaders. Yeah. You need to have a little bit of that dynamic as well. But when you see those things and you're down 38-0, that's when you start getting emotional. Yeah. And it's like, well, we have no discipline. And if we have no discipline, it's almost like that's a choice that we're yeah. choosing not to do those things. Yeah. It's not that it takes 100% effort to run under the field. It just takes some. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I think is frustrating to see. And as a former player, you look back and you go, hey, we had to do certain things to earn this privilege to yeah. play. Mm. Are they being required to do the same things that we had to be required to do? And that's a great point. If not, they don't earn it. Yeah, and that's a great point because I think some look at that and they say, and maybe even myself included, because I saw Jake's tweet and I thought, is he dogging on the guys? Them, you know, is this a thing where he's saying, I wish that player would run harder, or is the criticism about that's on the coaching staff? Big big picture, like, you know, you know what is the, you know, I hate the word culture because it's kind of a yeah. cliche, but it does resonate to certain things. So if, if you're going to pick on that thing, are you commenting on the players who are walking, right. or are you commenting on something larger? Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And that's—I feel like that's a hard thing for fans, to onlookers yeah. to understand, be able to translate things like that. You know, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there's a question there, but like. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I honestly think it comes down to the—it's a word I'm saying a lot recently, but the discipline mm -hmm. of are you monitoring? Do they have to run on the field? Are you monitoring? I mean, mm -hmm. we had certain points, I don't think it's right, but we had certain points where if you did something wrong, you didn't come out to the field, you had to go do barrel rolls or something like that, mm -hmm. a punishment. Is there discipline being instilled or are we bringing in four and five star athletes, letting them do whatever they want when they're outside the sidelines and then we expect them to be detail oriented when the game right. clock starts? Hmm. You have to be detail oriented to the point of when I'm at my locker and I'm cleaning my locker, my helmet faces to the left. Everybody's helmet faces to the left. My Michigan M on my bar stool slides all the way in and the two prongs face directly out. That was Brady Hope. Yeah. Hope came in first day. We came up to the meeting room, and every Michigan player knows when a coach comes into the meeting room, you go crazy and act like a jackass. You just do. You just That's what you do. You're wild. Go wild. So we do that, and he came in, and he comes in, shut the F up. Yeah. All right, this is your first meeting. He goes, come downstairs. So we went downstairs, and we had no coach for two weeks. We had Rich Rod get fired, and then Brandon was on the search for coaches yeah. and going and traveling. So we had two weeks where we had no supervision in Schembechler Hall. We were just there by ourselves. <laughs> So the locker room had lost its cleanliness. Mm -hmm. And he came down and he yeah. said, this will never look like this again. He said, any locker room that looks like this, I have no interest in meeting with that team. Yeah. He said, come back up when it's done. And so Big Johnny mm. stood down there and told us what every locker is supposed to look like. We all took our time, made sure it was right, went back up. Hi, I'm Brady Hope. It's nice to meet you guys. Yeah. And uh, 
those are the kind of things that I don't know if we're still doing those things. Mm -hmm. Are we still making sure that discipline-wise, do guys get to put their laundry loop on the floor outside their locker, or do they have to put it in the blue bin where Johnny told you to put yeah. it? Because it may seem minuscule, but in the grand scheme of things, when it comes down to did you get a call or not, or do you know with even without a call, that's their best receiver, it's third down, I should probably look him up. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> those are the type of things that we're going to miss if you don't have those little discipline yeah. things. They may seem small, but they do blow up. And that's what we saw with the Rich Rod 3-9 and nine season yeah. versus Hoax 11-2 and two season. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's interesting, though, because like you said, you come in there as a younger player. You're a college player. You're not in the NFL. And you're, you're asking – you're asking to be guided, you're, you know, and so when we see people say, "Boy, that looks like a piss poor effort on, on right. their part," it's 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 the it, it, the the criticism is toward the staff. Mm -hmm. It's not toward the kid because they're kids yeah. and they're there to be guided and told you have to do it like this, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle. I feel like, and we see things like we see with you know, a guy like I mean, that's an extreme. Ronnie Bell's situation was an extreme or whatatever, but we see it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like we see it with Shea Patterson now. Mm -hmm. Where it's like if, if he's not comfortable with the read that he's making or something and he messes it up, well, he's terrible. Get him on the bench. It's like, well, my whole thing's always been like, he's got to practice every day, and I know he's been he's a senior, but he's only twenty two years old, and he hasn't he's not he's not getting paid to do this. So it's like it's a it's a coaching thing, and it's interesting as a guy who who's been through three different regimes. I mean, you know, you would know more than maybe anybody that the whole thing starts at the top as much as any other sport in any other area of, of whatever with college football. Well, yeah, and when a coach comes down, when it comes to position coaches, their whole livelihood and their family staying in the same town, right. not having to move their kids, yeah. comes down to how their position performs. Yeah. So if a position coach, if you see a player and you're like, oh, that's not the best effort, that position coach, there's no way that he's allowing that person to continue playing mm -hmm. with a second, a third, a fourth back behind them if they know that they have better effort that can come from them. Yeah. That's the best that we have at that position, or we should be able to assume that mm -hmm. if the coaches are doing their job. So um, it's definitely something that, you should, if you have a position or a player that's not performing or you feel like the effort level is yeah. low, I would definitely place 80, 90% of the finger point at the coach yeah. of the position. And then what's being, you know, what's being upheld from head coach all the way down to strength yeah. coach. A lot of discipline comes from strength coaches. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I, I think we have a great strength coach. I've met him once. He seems yeah. like a very good guy, but I just don't know because they do so much behind closed doors. How much discipline are they instilling mm -hmm. and how much of the details do they have to pay attention to that aren't football related? Because mm -hmm. if they have no discipline of details non-football related very unrealistic expectation that they're going to all of a sudden pay attention to the minor details yeah. when it comes to football hmm. before we get to the break here i do want to take a minute to plug this gym we're sitting in i feel like a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ryan owns blue lion fitness which is off of uh, maple here in west ann arbor and it is uh, this is a serious gym mm -hmm. this is not a uh, gym for uh, folks who just want to come in here and maybe Maybe up on the elliptical and no, call We're intentionally 100 yards from Planet Fitness because if you want that, it's right <laughs> it's there. Right. And it's cheap. Do you tell people that when they come in? Absolutely. The, the gym tour ends here. And, and you say it ends right at the gym, window. Gym tour ends here. You, know, you get a free class. You get yeah. to try it out. And it's going to be more intense than what you would do on your own. And that's yeah. the purpose of it. If you're not ready for something like that, there's no problem with it. But there's free pizza. And there is free pizza. Sure. Five, sure. $5 a month down the street. Yeah. But You guys have free waste bins for vomit. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> is this always what you want? I know you were uh, you were on Mike Barwis when you were at Michigan. Is that did, did he kind of inspire you to maybe you know, or was this something you always wanted to do? Is do something like this? I always wanted to be my own boss. I always okay. wanted to have my own business, and I wanted to do it in something that I was knowledgeable in. So yeah. when it came down to the different options that we had, it was either start my own football team. Yeah. Or, <laughs> right. or, football franchise. <laughs> or uh, start a facility where we do the same kind of strength conditioning that we've done through Division One. Sure. You know, and I, 
had exposure to three head coaches. I also had exposure to three strength yeah. coaches plus an NFL strength coach. And I got to kind of see, you know, what did I feel like really prepared my body and made me feel the best uh-huh. for when it came time to perform? And what things do I feel like, all right, maybe that was there philosophy but I don't think it fit in line with what I wanted to do and then the CrossFit thing blew up and the CrossFit thing was a five billion dollar a year industry in like 2012 and I went to CrossFit gym and I saw some things that I thought were unsafe or didn't make sense Uh programming wise and I was like this can be polished this can be done better and that was kind of the idea is if you've done CrossFit if you've gotten hurt if you didn't like the Olympic lifts but you like the idea group fitness with free weights Mm -hmm. we're the alternative we want to be in the CrossFit saturated markets put a blue line fitness down because we'll take all the defectors that like the idea of CrossFit but something didn't go right Mm -hmm. I guarantee you we fit 80% of those people that Mm -hmm. that are looking for a free weight class that didn't enjoy CrossFit I, I feel like you can marry these ideas you take this thing nationwide become a billionaire you buy the lions then yeah. you go and teach them some discipline yeah yeah <laughs> buy the lions i don't know you might need to teach the front office some discipline before you had to teach them but so how do people plug it real quick then right before we go to break so you got classes you have can, people can just come in here and and be members and just work out too is that so our classes we're very class-based we have nine of them a day the schedule's all online so if you go to our website you can see what the schedule is but we want people to come in and try their first class there's going to be coaching on the technique and the fundamentals of stuff that you're doing but come in and try your first class and move at whatever pace you can and then um we actually offer two more free classes if you do a survey the biggest thing for us we don't want to be the guy in a tight t-shirt and a tribal tattoo telling you (laughs) to come in and here's your initiation fee and all this other stuff we want to be as cut and dry as possible Here's what it is. We have unlimited memberships. We have a drop-in. Those are our two ways yeah. we do it. Do three things for free so okay. you know before you commit to anything if it's going to be something you want to do for a month. And if not, no big deal. But for the people that we do fit, they've loved the community that we've built. They like working out yeah. with other people. I've never heard and anybody standing bad. The yeah, other yeah. thing is don't be intimidated by it being an upper-level athletic facility. Right. There's I've worked with women that are in their early 70s, yeah. and I've worked with people that are 16 years old. We can incorporate and get yeah. people to move alongside each other. That was the goal is that my mom wanted to come in and work out next to me being a pro athlete. Yeah. She could do it. It'd yeah. be at a different pace. It'd be with different weights. There may be some modifications, but you'd be surprised how many people we can accommodate. Yeah. The biggest thing is show up, do your first class, and get an idea of what we're doing. Out of shape. Well, mid-late 40s. <laughs> mid-late 30s. I just 30s. This I'm not in the 40s. <laughs> I'm going to try not to like pull a hamstring or throw up in that mop bucket on the way out the door. When here, I, think, uh, I think we're going to be okay. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back on the other side, and we're going to get more into the uh, Michigan-Notre Dame and talk a little bit more with Ryan before we get out on here. So stay tuned real quick, and we'll be right back. The place where I, I was born and raised The place where I 